Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution. Revolution, a podcast about real stories, about real struggles from real comedians. Really. Uh, I am Perry. I'm, I'm a theater teacher, a comedy writer, director, and performer. And I'm Laura. I'm also a Chicago-based comedy writer and performer. Uh, today we're talking to Luis uh, Arevalo. Uh, Luis is a 20-year-old Chicago-based comedian. Um, 20, 21 now. Oh, 21. Oh, he's, he's legal. <laughs> <laughs> Luis has performed on multiple shows across Chicago, including a Laugh Factory, Comedy Bar in the Promontory Theater, and even a couple shows out of state. Uh, Luis also produces a variety show called Intellectual Mercenary Show in Elgin and has performed at the Elgin Fringe Festival. Welcome, Luis. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, welcome. Um, <clears throat> we wanted to start by asking just how you got into comedy and performing stand-up. Uh, I always liked stand-up. Like, when I was little, I would watch uh, Comedy Central. That's when they would air, like, a lot of uh, half-hour comedy specials, and I was just really into it. And then I always wanted to try stand-up, but I thought I couldn't because cause it's gotten a lot better now since I started doing stand-up live, but back then I used to have, like, a really bad stutter. Like, I couldn't get words out without stuttering. And as comedy is about timing, so I thought I wouldn't be able to do it. And to make a, 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 a long story shorter, uh, I performed I performed spoken word in my junior year of high school because someone else participated in performing, and I was like, oh, I'm better than this guy. <laughs> so, 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 so that's when I first time performing on stage, I was like, oh, I really love performing, but I don't want to do poetry because I peaked with that one poem. And then eventually I was like, I'll try stand-up. If I fail, then I can never do it. I'll never do it again. And luckily I did well, so now here we are. Woo, great. Um, are there any comedians that have inspired you specifically? Uh, the two top ones is uh, Gerard Carmichael and Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was the one I saw his special, uh, the, the, the one that's on Netflix, the uh, Live and Smoking, the one where he's not doing so well. That's the one that inspired me to do a stand-up because he, he, he said he was nervous and you could visibly see he's nervous. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, if this, if the greatest of all, because the, they considered, uh, Richard Pryor's like the greatest comic of all time, some, some would say, like, in opinions, and I agree with it, but like, I was like, if this guy gets nervous, then you then <laughs> might as well. So that's my yeah, that was my thought process. Is Gerard Carmichael? Did he have his own show at one point? Yes, the Carmichael show. Yeah, I think I caught a few episodes on Netflix, maybe. Yes, yes, it was on. Yeah, it was on Netflix. Yeah. They took it down, but now it's on Hulu. They have all three seasons on Hulu. It's a Ooh, great show. If you okay. haven't seen it, go go get Hulu and watch it. It's an amazing show. I need to. I have And he has those. two specials on HBO, which are also amazing. Very uh, amazing guy. That's. I, I want to meet him. Hopefully, I'm gonna speak. To, I'm using this podcast <laughs> to speak things into his distance. I want to meet him. You can shout out to anybody yes. on this podcast. We, we love want. shout outs. <laughs> we encourage shout outs. Uh, shout out to my mom. Right. <laughs> there you go. Get that one out of the way. Make her happy. <laughs> um, so you've been performing stand up for about five years now. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, when I was 16, I started when I was 16. I then I stopped the year after that. Took a couple months off. 
And then I started back when I was 17. So I say technically, technically when people ask me, I say two and a half years, but technically when I was 16. Just because it sounds better, because I just have been doing it for five years, and then you see me on stage, I'm like, that's your trash. Five years. This is just, but I would say two and a half, people are like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. You're pretty good for two and a half years. <laughs> that's still a good amount of time. Though, yeah. Two and a half years. You got a lot. Um, a lot of experience out of that. Um, has your your age ever been an obstacle in performing? Yes, because uh, some shows and mics are at bars. And because mm. Chicago is like very strict about not letting underage people perform. Oh. Well, well, not perform, blending in their bars mm-hmm. just in general. So like mm-hmm. that's been that's been a struggle. So sometimes I can't do certain mics and stuff like that. And like I didn't even know this at first when I first got here. I just didn't realize you had to be twenty and get at a bar that I could walk in. So <laughs> for the first couple of times when people would be like, "Oh yeah, you can't be here," I was crushed. I was like, <laughs> "I gotta get back to the metro." So I came here to get Mike. I'm like, but I came from the metro. And they're like, oh, I don't no. care. And I was uh, like, you can't be here. So it's like, nah, I have to go. It was crushing. You just want to practice your art. Right. Yeah. Like I was saying, don't care about art in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so what places were you able to perform at? Because I feel like most yeah. things happen mm-hmm. in bars. Uh, a lot of theater. Uh, there were some theater mics, some uh, coffee shops. Uh, there were some bar. There were some bars that uh, uh, would not card or just didn't care. So. But yeah, bars, mics, theaters, restaurants. There were some restaurants. So yeah, it's just luckily, yeah, luckily I, in Chicago, there's just so many places other than bars. Mm-hmm. That's true. So so I'm glad to be here because <laughs> I've been to a, a, some other comedy uh, a, a places for comedy and other places. Uh, just terrible. How so? San Diego is so trash. <laughs> uh, San Diego oh. is so trash. So, so there's a couple nights where you could only perform at their comedy club, and the mic and the mic starts at ten, and it's only comics, and they don't even stay, and it's just that's the only place you can perform. Does no, no one, one laugh because they're just like the no place. Everyone's like all spaced out, and like and like you got to sign up, and and like it's random sign up, so you got to you got to send an email between one and four p.m. Oh my gosh! And, and 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 you might not even get on the list for that whole week. And if you're an out of town guest and you didn't know this, they don't make exceptions for you. Like you got to sign up in the alternative list, which is towards the end. So that's almost when everyone laughs. Like, oh. That and no one's really funny there. So, <laughs> oh, uh oh, San Diego. Hope you're not listening. <laughs> um, how about um, so besides like getting into certain bars and things like that, do you feel like age has, um, like, been a problem for, like, acceptance by other comedians or things like that? Or have you generally felt, they like, they treat welcomed? you differently because you're not, younger? Or- not, if they have, I can't say or tell. But also, there's, like, a lot of young comics now. Like, there's mm-hmm. also people around my age, like, 20, 21, 22, 19, so... So now there's like a lot of young comics. As long as you're not obnoxious or annoying, <laughs> you'll be fine. But yeah, but I, but yeah, if they've treated me differently my age, then I can't tell because I've only been this age <laughs> in my true. life. So. <laughs> guess, you'll, you'll only find out as you go, maybe. Uh, there was somebody, at, 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 there's a comedy club in Aurora, that one of the door people. Mm. He He would, he would tell me, and he was a super nice guy. He would be like, yo, you're so good for your age. Like, there's a couple comics in your age that are just not good. So the fact that you're, like, uh, 19, 20, and you're, like, 
fantastic. It's so so if some people do compliment me for being like, You're so good for for nineteen or twenty that's crazy. So. Well that's good. That's good. Encouraging to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked a little bit already about um, your stutter. How has that played into your experience as stand-up? Uh, at first, it made it hard to listen to <laughs> to my sets to get better because mm. it would just be me stuttering. I'm like, and, and I'm thinking myself, man, if I didn't stutter so much here, the joke might have been better. Mm. But it's also helped me out because it's given me because I speak slow on stage. I I speak slow, so I don't stutter. So it's giving me this like unique delivery mm-hmm. and timing. Like a lot of people have complimented me on my delivery and timing, and I'm like, oh, thank you. And so, it's, and a lot of that has to do with my stutter, just because I try not, because you don't want to stutter on stage. Because like those earlier sets, I was like, oh, if I just said this punchline quicker, might have gotten a better laugh. So. Mm. When I watched the clip you sent us, that's something I noticed too, is that you do talk very like slowly. But I I liked it because it gives me time to like process mm-hmm. the joke and then I found things funnier I don't know I, I have trouble with people talking <laughs> too fast sometimes I'm like I can't keep up so um for me that was and it's a very unique style mm-hmm. to have too that's what I think and it's also like very convenient I remember reading a couple times like doing time remembers of Kevin Hart's Kevin Hart's book he talks about how he recorded uh he does when when people do special they record two shows and he remember uh, for the first show, he spoke super fast, and the second one, when he spoke slower, the jokes just hit harder. So I think mm-hmm. there is something to that. When you just speak slow and give people time to process, mm-hmm. the jokes will hit harder. So luckily, I'm already there just automatically. Cool. Do you think that your stutter influences how you uh, sit down and write your jokes? Because if you have a slower delivery, mm-hmm. do you maybe like sequence or order your, your jokes in any different way? I don't really think about it when I write jokes. Well, I only think about it if I'm trying to write jokes about my stutter. But, like, usually... Because my writing process is I write down ideas mm-hmm. and sometimes jokes, and I just work it out on stage. So it's a lot of make sure of writing on stage and off stage. So I guess my stutter, it works it works itself out, but I never sit... Uh, no, but yeah, not really. Um, do you like incorporate your stutter into your routines or talk about it much yes uh uh, when i first started it was like a mixture of sometimes i would sometimes i would sometimes like yeah i should tackle my stutter other times i'd be like nah don't address it just keep going and like i remember uh this one comedian was like listen man you gotta talk about your stutter because you stuttered throughout your whole set (laughs) (laughs) so just just address it off top and since i did that it's giving me some of my, some of my best material so I'm glad mm-hmm. that I address it just yeah. cuz some of my best bits I feel like are about my stutter. We were at an open mic a couple of weeks ago and one of the comics um he was twitching a bit and he did talk about the fact that he had Tourette's mm-hmm. and I think it helped um because he probably knew that we would be noticing that he was you know the way he was moving and mm-hmm. and comedy is about addressing the elephant mm-hmm. in the yeah. room so I feel mm-hmm. like you should address it. Even if it's like towards the end or something, you you should address it towards the material. That's what comedy uh, he is. He used it in his in his set too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever um, have you ever had like a negative response from audiences about it at all? Maybe like times that you haven't addressed it. Uh, not really. The only negative is when people laugh at the stutter, but like mm-hmm. that's the, but you know, <laughs> you can't help that. Mm-hmm. You can't help that. It's just a thing. Yeah. 
Hmm. I guess that's the only negative, but I guess it helps. I don't know. Has that been like a now, strong now, negative? Now I have an existential crisis about it. Oh, like, no. Should I do that as a bad thing? <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? I'm just like so lost. Now I'm trying to process this. I've never really thought about it like this. <laughs> we, we ask the deep questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Has there been a negative experience? Yeah. Like with heckling or? Yeah. Uh, just one time at an open mic, uh, this comic and his son, uh, it's cause it's cause it's cause I had a joke that I want to work about my stutter, but I want to do it to the end just because it's been doing so well. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was doing this joke, and and like I took a pause because I was gonna bring a Cheeto. Like the the pause was so I could say Cheetos, but I was stuttering. Mm-hmm. So so someone tried to finish the sentence for me, and 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 I remember a, a couple weeks ago I had a conversation with another comic. They were like, "Yeah, listen, if people do that, and if you don't want them to do that, you gotta stop it." So then so then uh, I so I addressed him. So I addressed him, and they, and then we got to like this big argument. Well, the, they stopped, and then towards the end, and then towards the end. Uh, uh, me and him went back and forth on stage because I because I heckled him. I called him like, "You look like a broke version. You you look like the broke version of Sinbad." And like it just got very. <laughs> me and him went back and forth, and then obviously, then off stage he did this weird thing, and then and then I went uh, to get to get food, and he and he went and me and he went and caught up with me. He's like, "Will you listen, man?" Blah blah blah, and he tried to like big bro me, and it was just so weird. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Where you said that to him when you were performing? Or no, yeah, when like when performing? I was on stage, yeah, because, well, wait, wait, like, oh, did I come broke Sinbad? You know, I said that on stage because because he tried to finish my set. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I just tried to do that, so that's how, I, you know, just put him in this, you know, like, don't, don't heckle me. Like, yeah, kinda, like, shut him down. Yeah, very gentle, because yeah, you can't say <laughs> shut up. You, you can only say shut up if they keep doing it. Like, if you do it, you got to be very gentle. I'm like, yo, man, you look broke Sinbad. Let me, let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me this one thing. <laughs> Um, well, that's good to hear that you haven't had a ton of experiences with it. Um, do you, uh, I think what I asked before also was uh, when people do start laughing at the stutter, mm-hmm. does that, are you kind of, do you just brush that off or does that become, because. I brush it out. It's been happening like since I was in school, like mm-hmm. people in school also when you stutter, sometimes they laugh because it's just, because it's just funny to them and like. Like I said, I, uh, what's it called? <laughs> what if I start crying right now? It's just so hard. It's like, no, it's fine. But they, they sometimes they just apologize. Like, Sorry, man. I'm like, I get it. Mm. Um, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes random stuff makes you laugh. Like there's some things that if I show you guys, yo, this makes me laugh. You guys won't, won't get it. So like, I guess it's one of those things. Mm. But yeah, there's not very mean about it. They're just like, oh, that's funny. I'm sorry, but. You can always call him out. Tear, tear, hold up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there are tears streaming down his face. Oh yeah, that's right. This is a recorded podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they can't see. I just dipped so 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 we have water. <laughs> so like I just dipped my finger and then just put it under my eyelids to 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 make it look like I'm crying. <laughs> Picture that, listen. Picture that. So do you find that the audiences in um, the suburbs are any different than in Chicago? Or? Yes, they're different in the case that in the just off because of, <laughs> <laughs> in the suburbs is old white people, <laughs> oh, so it's already so just the reference points and certain things is just different. But hmm. and in Chicago, sometimes you get a young hip crowd, and and obviously you get 
a mixture of 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 people and also diverse white people. Sometimes even in Chicago it's just all white people, it's div- more diverse white people than in the suburbs. Hmm. But uh but as far as like Chicago and Elgin, they've uh, as far I mean uh, Chicago and the suburbs as far as my stutter, everyone's kind of been like they've all been nice about it mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes I feel like sometimes it also gives me like more uh, uh, sympathy and empathy so like they're already more invested because they're like oh you know he has a stutter so let's really listen and pay attention to what he has to say and like you know what I'm saying because like I'm young and like, oh let's pay attention this, this, he might be he might say something <laughs> important <laughs> that goes into your like slower more deliberate delivery people really are listening then mm-hmm. you grab them that's great <laughs> I think that's so cool. do you adapt your uh, your sets when you are performing in the suburbs as opposed to Chicago like certain jokes you leave out or I'm starting to yes there's certain jokes now that I've well there's like this is one joke I can't do in Elgin just because <laughs> it's about El- it's about Elgin <laughs> Cause all right, so like uh, uh, just to, I'm not gonna say the joke, but I will say it. so. Cause like as as we all know, uh, there's an opiate addiction in America, mostly in the suburbs. So I just bring that up because I because I, I don't even think it's a problem in Elgin. Well, I mean I know there's some people, that, but like, I don't even think it's that thing. But I bring it up like it's an Elgin problem, and when I say it in Elgin, no one laughs. But when I say it like in the <laughs> other suburbs or like in Chicago or like other places. Everyone loves it. So, like, that's just the one joke I can't say in Elgin because no one enjoys it. <laughs> but it's such a good joke, I feel like. Uh, what was it like growing up in your area in Elgin? In Elgin? Pretty cool. Like, Elgin's pretty quiet. Um, gr- so, here's the thing. So, growing up in, like, in my elementary school and middle school, there was, a, there was a gang problem in, like, the high schools and middle school. But as But I was entering middle school and high school the gang, I guess gang culture kind of died down. Mm. So I was lucky that when I was growing up, there really wasn't much of an issue. And uh, 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 when I was born, well, the first few years I remember, because we were born, we lived out in a suburb. We lived out in an area and then like Poplar Creek. So this is like apartment area called Poplar Creek. And that place, apparently that place is very dangerous. Well, I knew it was dangerous because like, uh, 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 well, one, obviously, uh, um, what's a nice way to say this? <laughs> Here's the thing. So, like, I'm 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 learning to I'm learning. You gotta be careful about saying certain things, especially when it's recorded. Cause like, cause like, cause, yes. cause, 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 I don't mean it. I don't mean it out of malice. It's just, it's, I don't mean it out of malice and stuff like that. But obviously, I'm I'm I guess I'm trying to work on being a better person, guys, <laughs> guys, and people. And folks, and folks with the X, um, I don't know, we all know this. Like, so Poplar Creek is a it's a low income area, obviously. Uh, and 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 as we all know, uh, blacks and Mexicans, we they don't, they don't really get along well with each other. And like, Poplar Creek was very filled with that. So there's been a couple uh, uh, issues there. Uh, I remember uh, one of my one of my closest friends, his cousin, actually used to live in live in Poplar Creek, and he was like, before there was cameras, it used to be worse in Chicago. And that's when I grew up for the first couple of years. But other than that, but other than that, and then we moved out, so I didn't deal with that. But uh, it's been pretty good. We have a casino that makes <laughs> us a lot of money, so so we don't really deal with it. Even though all the white people are leaving slowly by slowly, we still have the casino. Uh, we have one of the best libraries. 
Uh, our high schools aren't that good because obviously it's majority Hispanic now. But, you know what I'm saying? We have a casino and, and a nice library, so that kind of bounces off. So it was a good childhood, all things considered. Because, I don't know, I'm just thinking about that now, just, like, certain things. Because, like, obviously, I find out certain schools don't get funded, so who knows how mm-hmm. better the education system. Uh, I find out uh, uh, they try to sit. So so, so, so I'm Mexican, and, and so uh, for the first couple of years, for first, for first to third grade, they used to bust me out to they used to bug me out to streamwood because uh supposedly there wasn't enough space in 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 the local in my local public school which were like which lived three blocks away from mm-hmm. there wasn't there wasn't enough space for uh for uh they didn't have enough space for like the english learning esl english learning i think now it's english, english as a second language yeah, ESL. yeah esl english is a second yeah. language now it's English language learners. Yeah, and then and then I read a couple of weeks ago. I think it's English that and also AP classes. There's like a real racial thing that they're suing uh, the U46 district about, and I never got it. And then the teacher tried to explain it to us, and I forgot his, his explanation. But it's a weird thing. But yeah, we have a casino. I don't know. <laughs> I, keep going, I keep going back to the casino because the casino makes a lot of money. So like our city. Does any of that go to the school system? <laughs> I don't know. It goes to the city. Because cause, cause my mom works. So, like, a couple of police officers were, like, recognizing my mom. Like, this happened earlier. So, whenever she would get staffed or something, just for, like, a minor driving trip or whatever, they'll just let her go. Like, oh, you, you work in the casino. So, <laughs> you go right along. So, 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 I do know that a lot of the casino taxes money does go back to the city. So, hopefully, it does mm-hmm. go to the school. So. They've been very nice to my mom. <laughs> when they recognize it, when they recognize it, they've been very nice to my mom. So it's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> How does your family feel about your stand-up career? Uh, <laughs> very supportive. First, let me start off very supportive. Obviously, they wish I would do go back to school <laughs> and just do something else. But they've been very supportive. Uh, uh, I don't drive, and so in the cold, when it gets very cold, my mom has been very nice of of uh, picking me up at, like, midnight, sometimes 2 a.m., even though she has to work at 5 a.m., uh, giving me money. Like, my dad lets me work from him, work with him at home, so that's how I could, like, just leave at any times, because obviously if I had to get a real job, I can't just leave at I can't leave at like two or three p.m. Like, listen, man, I gotta go to Chicago because mm-hmm. this mic start because I gotta be at this mic at five. So, mm. so they've been very supportive and they've been very nice, and I'm very fortunate that I don't have like those uh, stereotypical strict Mexican parents. My my parents really chill, very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What is that commute like? Other than just dealing with that and. Working in when to go to open mics and stuff like that. It gets very taxing after a while. Like, I'm noticing my posture is, like, really bad because I sleep and I lay down and I lay down on the seat. And, like, the thing is, the seat is, like, very small. So, like, so, like, my posture is slowly and slowly getting bad. And there's research that people commute to work. They they live, their life expectancy gets shorter. Mm. And I don't know what that is about the commute. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody here is scared now because I commute to work. Well, I think I think it's an hour commute. I think if your commute's like longer than an hour, oh, you're still scared. Suburbs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so I don't know. So, so it gets very taxing, but it helps me out a lot because uh, 
I'm not, I don't have a good work ethic. <laughs> so I take the time on the train to like read and write. Well, I, I read, I, I still read at home sometimes, but it gives me time to like write. So like the hour, I use it to just write and just write. So that helps me out a lot. Mm-hmm. But it gets very taxing. You know? It gets so taxing. So, but I got to do it because I'm, I'm not moving out of my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's awesome. Um, do you ever talk about your Mexican heritage in your stand-up, too? I used to. I think on the... Which club did I send you guys? Was it at the Laugh Factory or at the Comedy Festival? Comedy Festival. I think the festival. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So, so I used to have a joke about, about being Mexican and a stutter, and then it's just stopped working. But so as of right now, I don't, and I don't know. I don't know, because, like, because, like, because, like, so, oh, hold on. So Elgin... So, like I said, Elgin's majority Hispanic, majority Mexican. So when you live amongst your own people, you don't really think about your heritage as much. And, like, my parents were too busy at work to really instill it. Most of my friends, they, quote-unquote, didn't really feel Mexican. We were all American because we were born here. So it's not something to really think about. So there's not much I try to do in in, in my material, in my jokes. And... And uh, people don't really know about Cesar Chavez. There was one time I tried to do material about Cesar Chavez, and just that it was very, uh, uh, what's the word? Not nice things about Cesar Chavez, but the thing is, people don't really know about Cesar Chavez, so now mm-hmm. I had to explain it. So it's a lot of work. I was like, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so as of right now, no, but I want to. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really a big thing growing up because everyone else was Mexican, so not much to really. So it wasn't part of of my life, good or bad, I guess. Do you feel like um, Mexican representation in com- comedy is growing at all? Um, do you feel like it's? How, what do you think about it? <laughs> well, what <laughs> is, is it? Is it growing? Well, here's the thing: I never really thought about it till now, because like obviously now a big thing is representation, giving uh, people of color like a voice. So I'm thinking about that a lot, because like growing up, I used to like George Lopez and and Gabriel Iglesias before I got into stand up, and then uh, and now I think they're very hacky. Like I try to <laughs> I try to watch a uh, recent George Lopez uh, HBO special. Oh, so t- I was like I was like I was like these are jokes I see at an open mic. Like what do we? <laughs> and this dude is pegging us. It's like very hacky, very jokey. It mm-hmm. gets it gets very. But uh, there's certain people in the show. I mean, I don't know if it's growing. I, I, I don't know. It's like new. Co- I know like Felipe Esparza, he's very good. But like, I don't know. It's a decent thing. I mean, in Chicago, there's a couple of Mexican comics. Some of, most of them, some of them are very good. So I don't know. That's a, I wish I was more articulate. I, I feel like, I feel <laughs> like there is a good answer to this. These are good questions. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good. I mean, it's good. I mean, I just wish we were better. Mm-hmm. I guess the people, like, I mean, like, Philip Esparza is good. I heard, I stopped watching Gabriel Galicias, but I remember some of these jokes. I mean, he's a good comic. Uh, George Lopez needs to stop. Uh, very hacky. Just very hacky and, like, easy jokes. Oh, my goodness. It's so, so. Well, he's made his money, right? It's yeah. so bad. I mean, yeah, no, listen, listen. He's done. <laughs> Listen, it's fine. I mean, people love. Here's the thing: there's also an audience for him, so it's like because because he sold out 
Hmm. He he sells out arenas and stadiums, so it doesn't oh, yeah. matter what I say. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's because uh, me me and his Mexican comment, we talk about it a lot. We feel like a lot of the audiences, a lot of Mexican audiences, just like those hacky hacky stuff and materials. So like, what is hmm. so there's so 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 there, and there's comics that do that and they're going to do fine. So like, hmm. sometimes you just got got to get it where you fit in, you know. Hmm. And it's up to me and him to like kind of just be. Or build your audience, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, build your audience. I used to love Gabriel Iglesias when I was in high school. I don't remember where I first watched him, but I thought it was awesome. I haven't watched him in a really long time, so I don't really remember. That's the thing, because 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 I haven't watched him a while. I tried to watch him once, and I don't remember how I felt. But like, but like, because uh, because me and somebody else, I forgot in my group chat we were talking about Mexican and Gabriel Iglesias, and someone brought up Gabriel Iglesias does kind of hacking material, and I just. I didn't take his word for it because he wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> Tristan would never lie to me. <laughs> I, it's very like bit oriented and um... it's very stories. It's cool stories. Mm-hmm. I tried to watch his new Netflix one and it started off like his typical yeah. stories and sound effects. I don't know. I don't know. It's all like sound effects. Oh, that's his big thing. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's very sound, effect- sound effects. Yeah, very storytelling. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> it's like a. I don't know. It's like Richard. It's, it's like if Richard Pryor could do sound effects. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that's something. Um, do you ever perform for mostly Mexican audiences? Mm, I was supposed to do it next week, but then the show got canceled. Oh. Uh, the, um, sometimes. Uh, let's see. There's a mic in in Pilsen where we get some Mexican audiences, but can't think of a time really. Uh, no, not really. Uh, I think in a couple of weeks I, I should I should be in a majority Mexican audience and that'll be interesting. Hmm. But as far as a majority, I don't think I could recall one time. You'll have to get back to us. <laughs> How would you describe um, your stand-up material or your subject matter? Uh, storytelling, a little uh, loose storytelling. Uh, jokes and uh, me trying to build tension <laughs> <laughs> towards a specific type of audience. Can you explain that more? <laughs> so, <laughs> I won't say I hate white people, but... <laughs> Safe space. <laughs> But in the seventh grade, <laughs> I started learning more about life. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, it's just, and it's just a fun thing. And lately, uh, and here's the thing: it's fun. It's 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 fun. It's easy to hate on white men. And so lately, <laughs> we can all see where this is going. And so, like, I just been trying to. We've seen the news. White women also are a big issue in this. So, uh, and 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 a lot of the audiences is white men and white women. So like, there's a tension in that when I do certain jokes and material. That because people are cool. If you if you hit on the white men, everyone's cool with it. <laughs> and then if you start and I, well, not hating, I like just joking around like certain materials. But then we do it against white women. Some. Mostly white women get like kind of there's they get they get tense stuff, but everybody else is cool with it, and sometimes they're cool with it. So like it's this weird thing, but it's also a new thing I've been doing lately. So it's mm-hmm. also so I guess it's kind of, I'm 
go going more into racial stuff, especially mm-hmm. in the news, because you know, because because uh, you know, uh, it's also also because I'm because it's a different type of tension mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm just getting used to. So like sometimes I think of certain stuff to say in my head, and then I don't say it. So like when I continue on with the jokes or like with the riffs. Sometimes it gets there's a disconnect, mm-hmm. but that's because there's certain details I forget to add that would make people get on my side. So it kind of feels like I'm just hating mm-hmm. on women and well, white women in general, and people don't like that. People obviously you shouldn't like that. Like I'm not saying like why, but like if I add this, I guess I should contextualize it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did a show. And uh, I did a show, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and uh, it was mostly uh, uh, it was a mostly white women audience. And I started off with this new joke about because it's like this open mic and show, so like I felt mm-hmm. very comfortable just just trying new ideas. And I did this joke about how Kanye West is humble. He's very humble when you compare him to like white people, because like because like because like Kanye West. <laughs> Because Kanye West is arrogant, but it comes from just hard work and talent. It's not like entitlement. It doesn't come from like entitlement, right? Mm. So I did that, and then uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, um, in New York, um, Alicia, there, there's this, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this a politician, uh, uh, Alexandria, sorry, not Alicia, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who, who like nine, ten weeks ago, she decided to run for like Congress, fourteenth Congress district person thing yeah in the primary yeah yeah in the primary and she won Mm -hmm. and like and like it was like and like and like and like and like uh uh, that was like around the same week that there was just a bunch of videos popping up in my feed on facebook about her so like i watching it and like and i and i and so i just followed her on twitter i'm like oh this is so great because i felt i don't know it's like i guess like this pride she's hispanic and i was like kind of this pride and she and she and she made a tweet about how uh because people are saying, oh, she, you, you won because you touched on a certain, certain, you know, audience, you know, certain people. But she was like, no. And then she posted a picture of her shoes. It was like, of, of like her first shoes. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, yeah. we worked hard. Like, like these are the shoes that I went door to door with. They were to falling get, apart. Yeah. And they were Literally falling apart. Falling and, apart. And, and, I, and I didn't buy new shoes. And this is hard work. So, so, so after my, um, so in the same set. I brought her up because, like, because, like, because, like, I wanted to talk about her joy, and I'm like, I'm like, you see, like, she worked really hard, and if like Hillary Clinton just didn't feel comfortable and entitled to win, then maybe you know she would have been president, because, like, because, 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 like, she, what's it Obviously, there's also a lot of things. I also know it's not Hillary Clinton's fault. I know there's a lot of things, but one of the things also is like she didn't want to go to certain states because she thought she already had those states to win. So, mm-hmm. so, and then I. So I so I forgot to bring that part up. I thought it in my head, but I just kept moving on. So there was like a tense. But I feel like if I brought that up, more people would have been on my side and not just think I was just trashing Hillary Clinton just to trash them. And it's so, but yeah. Also, fifty three percent of white women voted for Trump. So mm-hmm. so like that. I don't know. I'm. And yeah. Interesting. So, to, um, when we talked to Seth Thomas, I remember him because he also talks about. Um, like racial tension, mm-hmm. racial um, issues a lot in his work. And I remember him telling us explicitly that it's important to get the audience on your side yeah. so they feel mm-hmm. protected before you go after mm-hmm. um, certain issues. And, well, he has how many years of experience? Oh, so much, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's a learning process too, right? 
Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm learning too. Like also, cause also like uh, uh, earlier, or uh, I'm I'm just trying to make sure I remember a point because I'll see about my too. But earlier you talked about one of my biggest influences. Uh, one was also Gerard Carmichael, mm-hmm. and he does and, and his materials and and especially his shows about bringing certain topics. So I think I think the New York Times brought a, a Gerard Carmichael's like formula. So one mm-hmm. bring something that will alienate, bring a topic up, and and take on a point that will like. Uh, alienate the audience, and then just spend the rest of your bit winning them back. And mm-hmm. and 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 you see the difference in the first two spe- in his first two specials on HBO. One is Love at the Store, and two um, Eight. And the one and and Eight he does better at at kind of not attacking the audience straight on. He kind of uses himself as like well, because like in the first one he's like you guys really don't care about the blah blah in certain <laughs> issues. But in the third one, in the second one, he's like, I, will, I don't really care. And it kind of, so like you said, just better at getting people on your side and not attacking them straight on. And I guess mm-hmm. there's something I want to learn. But also, it's, it's it's fun to me. Part of it is also <laughs> like a learning experience. And the other part is like, well, this is just fun to me. Like sometimes <laughs> I want to see if I can take the audience head on and see if I can win them back. It's also the fun thing. Also, also, you know, also I just do stuff about my parents and mm. and, and and that which my parents don't like, but everyone else <laughs> seems, seems to enjoy. It, so, do you talk more about the the you're talking about building tension and stuff like that. Is that um, do you like pick a top when you? Huh, what am I trying to ask? <laughs> um, when you try that, do you like pick a topic and like build up to it, or like how do you approach that? Or just like saying things that you know will kind of create tension in the audience. Uh, well, it depends on my headspace. On on what on one one is: am I informed in the topic? Uh, two: do I have a unique take? Three: uh, um, and like hey, three: like do I care? Because I also don't just want to say things out of shock value. I want to make mm. sure there's a point to it. So it's like, do I care? What what do I want to say? Cause also sometimes, <laughs> sometimes my take is just to make uh, certain people uncomfortable. Because I, I feel like I, I don't know. So like <sighs> uncomfortable in the right in, in, in the right uncomfortable in the right sense of the word that it's uh, uh, centered around truth and honesty and and to make sure why certain people are uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, like. Because sometimes that also matters. Because also some, sometimes people are just uncomfortable because they don't really want to talk about certain issues. And and if you, if that's why you're uncomfortable, then we should really address it. Because because mm-hmm. if you're uncomfortable just because you think, I'm trying to think of a specific uh, way to say this. Because also because also because it's a new thing that that I'm doing, and like mm-hmm. I, and also because it's it's a very we're in a time now where. I don't know. How do I do it? Because cause it's also a new thing. I, like, if you see me do stand-up, a lot of it isn't really racial. It's just a new thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Here's, like, the heroin. Like, my heroin joke about my joke about heroin. It builds tension. Uh, that was just because I feel like... Uh, I feel like heroin is very... Oh, because like, Dave Chappelle said it best, right? Like, uh, uh, crack in the 80s was looked as a... Like, when crack was real big in the 80s, it was seen as as bad people. It was seen like it, it was a crisis. It was this bad thing because of the people who were doing it. 
mm-hmm. versus the opiate addiction where people are very gentle about it. It's like, oh, no, this is this is a tragedy we got to do. This <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is a tragedy. Uh, uh, we got to be nicer to addicts. So instead of, like, building these harsh drug laws, now people are being very gentle. So it's like, so that's what my joke about here. So sometimes it's just like, like do I care because I care about race and because I care about race and certain things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like your point that, like, if if it is something that, like, will make people uncomfortable, it's something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Because, like, why are you uncomfortable, right? Um, that's interesting. I, li- I like that approach to it. And sorry and sorry for to, to you guys and also to listening that I can't articulate myself well because I don't... Because it's also things I struggle with myself and I don't really know how to answer and also I'm not that articulate getting my ideas out so yeah. like just know it's with good intention I never <laughs> it's it's I don't know because also I also have a problem with like uh, uh, that term women and people of color because because <laughs> people is men and women and people who who identify who are non-binary so why so why do we need women? Because it, it just says so because women basically means white women because because it would be people of color. So why we gotta say women and people? So that's why I have that weird thing. I don't know. Y'all white women are sneaky, man. <laughs> the problem is um, non-intersectional feminism. Oh man! Oh, that's the, the white feminism movement. Oh yeah, has empowered so many white women to say. I've also been shit on mm-hmm. when, and so many women are like, oh, me too. Like, I'm not, that's not a call out to the Me Too movement because that's also important. But, yeah, um, of like, oh, I'm also being, um, you know, whatever. Um, well, uh, well, we're like, we're, I'm also being oppressed. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I'm a part of this, but like, then whenever they're attacked, and I'm a part of this ex- and I'm woke. Y- exactly. But, like, I mean, with the whole like, like uh, the whole Me Too movement, like, like Lena Dunham. I don't know if you guys remember. So when like it was when 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 white men were getting Me Too, no, when like no, no, not white men. Like when people men were just getting Me Too, it was like Lena Dunham was like, yeah, yeah, and then it was like one of her friends, and oh no, there you go. So when, so, so, no, no, so so so, so 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 white women were calling out men, and she was like, yeah, and then yeah, and then like a and then a woman of color, I think it might have been her writers, and then Lena Dunham was like, well, uh, let's wait till we have proof and history that double standard, that, that sort of thing. So yeah, it is like mm-hmm. it's a, yeah, because feminism problematic. Yo, because feminism, yeah, like if you look at the history, like the, it, like like white women was like oh, ourselves, because like black people, black men and white women don't. It was like weird, like when you look at the. That's why. That's why. I, I forgot about this when I'm doing a lot of research. I'm like, yo, we should throw, we should just stop with feminism and just start all over, because like trying to build intersection out. Because cause I'm all about not re- refixing the cycle. Sometimes you just gotta let the cycle die out and start again. I feel like that's where we're at with feminists because, like, there's so many years of just the feminist movement that has been white women, that has been white women just uh, and uh, throwing uh, 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 specifically black men and women under the bus to try to do it now. It's kind of, it's, it's a lot of it. It's just so weird to me that they're, that people will think they, like, know everything about something instead of just acknowledging that, like, yeah, you can always know. learn more. You yeah. can always, like, figure out more about, like, how a person is feeling about something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Do you, does it help you to, when you're, like, writing a set, does it help you to, like, write 
it out first and then perform it? Or do you often just go up and um, just do it? Because I know I do a little bit of stand-up, um, and I'm terrible at... Well, I, I'm not terrible... Not just brief, not just but I part. like it helps me to like write mm-hmm. and like learn the jokes like their lines and then perform them. But I know a lot of stand up is like, um, um, you know, being able to like go off of the audience reactions and stuff like that. So I just wondered which approach you like to go to. Uh, sorry, it depends on the premise. Like sometimes, sometimes when I start off with a joke or a premise, I can write the whole thing out and I could just take that and do it on stage. And sometimes I just write a premise. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. So let me just see if I could find it on stage. Mm. And then sometimes I find nothing on stage. So I just ramble on. <laughs> and, and hopefully there's something there. Sometimes there's not. And sometimes you just got to listen back and listen back and be like, okay, there's nothing here. And sometimes I put it in the back burner. Sometimes I talk to people about it. So it's, so it's, it's different ways. But yeah. When was the last time? So, yeah, no, yeah, sometimes I could just write the whole joke out and it just comes to me, and other times I just gotta work it out on stage. And hopefully, I find an angle. Because also, because also that it works too, because sometimes uh, you, you'll see, sometimes uh, some comics will, will see you do something and they'll be like, yo, try this or try that. So, oh. also, sometimes it just comes in, and sometimes, like you said, you find it on stage. So, I just want to do all these things just to make sure. Sometimes it's just random. Sometimes I get a jokes and blah, blah, blah. Do you record every set you do? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's important. It's important. It's important because mm-hmm. sometimes you're just in the zone. And when, so when you get off stage, you're like, what did I say? And then so you just listen back. And also because sometimes uh, 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 a certain joke you think might have bombed. And when you listen, like, oh, I got to go last. And something like, oh, yeah, this joke did well. And then when you listen, I was like, oh. If the laugh wasn't as big as I thought, so like I just record. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I just keep it so I could go back and take notes and see. Uh, Yeah, do you have a circle of uh, friends or other comics who you go to to give feedback on some jokes or? Uh, yes, but it's very small, and also because also because sometimes uh uh um. Every comic has their own style and certain mm-hmm. things, so sometimes they can't really help you because they don't see that they're going with. And uh, so, so I only do it when uh, I only do it when uh, uh, the bit is like very uh, um, when when the premise in the bit, like with the perspective, is very refined out because then people can see certain things. Because mm-hmm. I remember, uh, I remember there was a time I would try to get people help, help with premises, and they either just ignore and go on to the next. Sure. Pre- Go to their own premises or be like, I don't know what to help you. And I remember listening to a Dave Chappelle interview where uh, where uh, he would try to like uh, uh, get a feedback from other comics about his premises, mm-hmm. and then they would be like, Oh, that's not funny. So then he would work it on mm-hmm. himself and be hilarious. So he's kind of learned to just not do that because 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 if pe- other people thought it was funny, they would have thought about it themselves. Mm-hmm. So, but 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 like if I need a punchline or something like that, then I'll go with my friends to see. For, for, for help. Hmm. So tell us about your variety show. Oh, the intellectual mercenary yeah. show? So, <laughs> so, so actually, he, this is a cool thing. So here's a cool introspective moment. So at the time, uh, so I, so at the time, I felt that, I remember I felt that implication in April. And, uh, and, uh, that was when, uh, I, uh, I was thinking of whether or not I should continue with the intellectual mercenary show because of two things. And the one, the big part was, cause that's a show I produced 
once every season since I was I wanna say since I was like nineteen. Like when I like around eighteen, nineteen, the my like the first year when I came back to stand up. Then it, that's when I started doing the intellectual mercenary show. And 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 um and it was just because of a couple of things. One, because I wanted to host, because I just wanted to host my own show so that I could get experience as a host. Uh, and two, because uh, I wanted to see certain comics do shows. And three, because since I'm from Elgin and a lot of people that I know, and I just want to see certain people <laughs> from Elgin, like from my high school and college, and just friends to come see me, just be hmm. be dope, right? And then... <laughs> And then, and it just became a lot of, well, it didn't become a lot of work. I guess it, it became a lot of work because, uh, and first of all, the only thing I would really do is just put up flyers around, like around Elgin, which is very easy because I, which is easy compared to what some of my friends do to promote shows. Like they hand out flyers, they wait. You can't really do that in Elgin because downtown is not, there's not, there's not much, uh, 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 walking traffic. But if you put posters, the old people will show up. <laughs> you put it on Facebook, certain people from the young people will show up. And like and like and like uh, April, and then um, I just did a show uh, that month in April, and it went very well. It was it was packed, but I just remember just feeling like a sigh of relief, like oh yeah, it's over. Like <laughs> like, I, it's like you know, I didn't feel any joy. It was just like oh great, we could just be done with this. I could just go home. Let me just do my time. Go home. And, and I realized a lot of that was just because, uh, 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 like I said, just, and I realized it's because I wanted certain people to be there and mm-hmm. they weren't there. <laughs> so it wasn't fun. Oh. It's, but now I'm producing another, cause, and also because, and then in May, so like, so then I decided to do, cause yeah, cause I did, I did another show in May cause, uh, 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 there's a, there's an arts, there's an art association there called, uh, Side Street Studio Arts. And they wanted me to do a show for their Cinco, like Cinco de Mayo celebration, and I was like, uh, sure. And then, and a couple of things, and then, and then for that show, so I did that show, and 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 I didn't even promote it. I was just like, whatever, I'm just gonna do this and whatever. <laughs> and luckily, and like that's when I got another producer. I got someone else, and it was just, uh, it was just terrible. And I, and I was like, why isn't this bringing me joy? And then a week later, uh, and a week later, and now and I'm producing another show, uh, 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 here in uh, here in the back of the yard in Chicago called uh, called Orange Soda, a variety show. And I remember it was a week after after the show in Elgin, and and it was packed, and I was so overfilled with joy, and I'm like, <laughs> why doesn't this feel like an Elgin? And then that's when I thought about it, but. Yeah, intellectual marriage. It's just started out with me wanting to produce a show in Elgin for people. I looking back now for certain people to go up and also for me to perform, also to get certain people out of Chicago who may not get as many opportunities mm-hmm. or I might not see them as much to give them a stage and just see them perform in like a suburb environment. Mm-hmm. And Orange Soda is just a show. Uh, uh, my friend wanted to do because uh, she she's she's too busy. To, uh, to do stay, uh, to to do open mic, it's it's a, it's like a lot of it's a it's a hassle for her to do open mic. So she just kind of wanted uh, to do a show so she could do time, and she's like, "Can I help her out with it?" So yeah, we just book we book uh, we book a bunch of acts. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we have a show this Friday, July thirteenth, which won't matter to the people listening, <laughs> but but it is every bi monthly. It is 
bi-monthly. So the next one should be in August, the second Friday, at a Sonica Art Studios. And uh, we just try to have a, like a eclectic, eccentric amount of talent. Like we're gonna have a storyteller. We're gonna have. Oh, we're gonna have a storyteller. We were supposed to get a drag performer, but that didn't work out. It's poetry, music, stand-up, improv. So just a bunch of random acts. Because variety shows are fun. Variety shows are more fun for the audience than for the performers. Because it's just it breaks up. It just breaks up the the, the same tone of just people doing improv or joke mm-hmm. storytelling. So it just keeps you. Keeps, I think, the audience like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Oh, like, what are they gonna do? So, yeah. just so much fun. That's awesome. Um, how does producing compare to performing for you? Uh, performing is so much better because <laughs> <laughs> all you gotta do is just focus on your art and craft mm-hmm. and versus producing. Because producing, because like, because performing, you can control the variables you can control your material you can control your jokes and you, you could kind of control how the audience is going to react by just repetition you know what i'm saying obviously when you do a joke for the first couple of times you don't know how the audience will react but after a while you kind of get a certain you get a certain sense how they're going to react versus producing you could pass out 500 flyers and maybe five people will show up <laughs> so it's like it's a lot of stressful work it's a lot of variables are already in hands you just got to make so you got to trust yourself that you put in enough work that it'll pay off and when it does pay off, it's, it's good and it's good. And also, it also is fun because, like, certain, like I said, like, I try to book certain performers who might not get many performance opportunities, but are super dope. And for whatever reason, they might not get booked for certain things. So just to see them get a stage and perform in front of a crowd, and you could just see their, just their joy. It, it, it brings, it, it's a, it's heartwarming. It brings a lot of, Fuzzy feelings in my heart, you know. <laughs> a lot of fuzzy feelings. So you did, you think that you are going to be continuing this show at uh, Orange? Uh, Orange Soda, yes. Intellectual mercenary. Uh, I'm gonna stop until that's. I'm not gonna produce that show until I let go of that feeling of just expecting certain people to show. Because <laughs> other thing, because like, because cause, cause, cause it used to be like we would pack any room we had. And I and I still felt like <laughs> I still felt like I didn't do a lot, and now I realize it's because of that. So until I get until I let go of that intellectual mercenary, or 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 until I need stage time, where I'm like, oh, I want to host. But yeah, or so yeah, we're gonna keep doing it just because it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's in, also because it's in this small. It's like kind of in this type of maybe a little bit bigger, but kind of this area. So it's like so it's like very close. Maybe like it takes like twenty people. It's like 15 people for it to be full. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing to perform in like a very intimate, small audience that you usually don't get mm-hmm. at open mics or shows in Chicago. So I want to keep doing it just because it's it's a great feeling because you really do work off. It's, I don't know how to explain it, but like it's very, I don't know, it's just very intimate. Like something about just in, in, intimate performances is dope. Yeah. Super fire. It's the closest to intimacy I'm ever going to get. In life, so it's like don't. <laughs> just so do, a bunch of strangers. <laughs> so I can see why people love love, like if because if, the intimacy that shit's dope. So like to get it with something I love, like performing, I I, I get it. <laughs> um, all right, we're running low on time, so um, we're gonna transition to our last segment. Yeah. Um. So okay, we sent you the prompt, and it's um. 
If you were to satirize how you feel an underrepresented group is perceived by others, how would you? Exactly. Okay. And or it's how meant you, to be as an individual, is perceived by others. Yeah. So. Yeah, it can be whatever that inspires you to think of. The easiest, I don't know, because like the, my stutter, because I don't know, my stutter, it's not something that I've really. With a stutter, it could be like you're using it to, that's your only reason that you're getting laughs, is that you're making it more to get laughs, too. Ooh, um, maybe you can play someone who's faking the stutter. For attention. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, actually a sketch, there's actually a sketch I was supposed to do that was based on me faking my stutter. Really? Actually, a lot of people think I'm faking my stutter because it's, really? it's, so oh, <laughs> it's gotten so better. It's so terrible. Because it's gotten so better that they're like, yo, this motherfucker did it. Really <laughs> stutter. He was doing it for the seven. <laughs> you, could, you could be. Okay, okay. Here's an idea. Um, <laughs> you could be like a comedian on stage trying to do a set that's just like overdoing your stutter to get laughs. Mm. Um, and then like either we could be audience members or other comedians who are like, dude, stop. Like, <laughs> all right. Try Yay! Yay! Hi guys. <laughs> guys, I'm Luis. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I was stutter, and because of my stutter, I... (laughs) Boom. Boom. That's not a real stutter. You call that a stutter? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He's faking it. Boom. He doesn't sound like Porky Pig at all. (laughs) First of all, Porky Pig... Boo! Boo! Perky was faking a stutter, first of all. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> Guys, your partner fakes an orgasm. Don't tell me about faking. <laughs> Don't tell me about faking it. <laughs> Bet you guys can't fake an orgasm. Don't tell me about <laughs> faking a stutter. This got really weird. <laughs> How do you fake a stutter, guys? Go ahead. Tell you. You tell me. How do I fake a stutter? Porky Pig does it. <laughs> you just said so. Touche, sir. Touche, madam. Touche. How would you guys feel if I did fake a stutter? How would this affect your day to day life? Get him Inauthentic. Up. You guys don't even want to have the conversation? We only respect authentic stuttering comedians. Name one yeah. authentic stuttering comic. Besides Parky Pig. Parky Pig. <laughs> Besides Parky Pig, he was more he's he played more the s- 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 straight man. <laughs> every day <laughs> every day there's a couple of stuttering comics. Look, he's not stuttering. Yeah, I know. He's not a real stutterer. <laughs> Every day, there's a couple of comics who stutter, who sometimes have a random stutter because it's a neurological stutter, and they have to deal with hecklers who have never dealt with people who have stuttered in their lives. There you go. Finally, we figured it out because <laughs> no one knows about stuttering. I don't even know about stutter. I, I just learned that it's a neurological thing, I think. I don't know. I saw an article somewhere in Teen Vogue. Someone said the five misunderstand five minutes about stuttering and one of them that it's not psychological it's 
neurological. So when people say breathe or relax, it doesn't really help. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know, I guess... Sounds like something it. a not real stutterer <laughs> If you have to read up on it. You know what, security! <laughs> <laughs> All right, black This was guy. so bad. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so, do, so what did we learn, guys? Uh, don't let 21 kind... Don't let 21-year-olds... <laughs> On your podcast, because they don't know how to take... Well, I don't know. That's not true. Don't take the white guy's suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I that was a that great was... idea. Don't, 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 don't sell yourself short, man. I love how I in good. so many of our yes. sketches, it's me and Perry, like, beating up on our kids. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. The first one was me being the stupid old white woman. Oh, man. Yeah, Honestly, I've been a white woman in a lot. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do, you, just, you, do I, you feel typecast? <laughs> I go back I'm okay with it. And I listen to the whole thing oh. after they go through giving some edits. So mm-hmm. there's like a, an uh or a long pause. Just, I take it out. Of no, it's not even that. I just feel like they're like they ask me good questions and I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> you did, no, you answered them very well. I, I don't know. always says that at the end of the podcast. Like, yeah. I didn't. I didn't say anything smart, and we're like, "What are you talking about?" I was hanging on every word for every single one of our guests. I say, I. Oh yeah. I feel like a lot of it is just half baked ideas. So like, so like when you build tension, what is? Oh, you know, just white woman, because you know what I'm saying, like, you know what I'm saying. That's anyway. <laughs> that's a crazy thing too. Like PTA, PTC, like the PTA and PTC. Oh man, that's that's they? very no. Like parent teachers, like you oh. know, teachers like PTA meetings. Mm-hmm. There's like racial, there's like racial undertones for white women for that. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan, they were very organized by white women, like in the beginning. Like, like there's an article one of my friends, like it's crazy, wow. it is crazy, and not for them to play the victim, and, you know? Because there's also an article about the Me Too movement, like, like, like yes, we should believe, we should believe, we should, we should believe in the stories, but we also gotta be. And it brought like and the big and the big undertone, and I and 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 I'm not gonna say much because one, because even in the article it's like very boring, and two, I didn't really understand, it. I couldn't really comprehend it. But like a lot of it was like, for example, they brought it, for example, like Emmett Till and that whole thing. So sometimes you gotta be careful. I guess I, I, I guess it was more for like if a man, it was a weird thing. We need to, I don't know. I guess the other term was like we have to be careful when men of color get called out, but at the same time we need to believe the victims, but at the same time make sure that this is not a tool used by white men and white women just to take down mm. those just people so it's like this so like in the articles like it, it's kind of like dealing with that thing and like a big idea was like Emmett Till because as because also like the white women who accuse Emmett Till of um I think it's a whistle right like the like, uh, Emmett Till whistled against a white woman in Missouri he was from Chicago he came to Missouri to visit his family and and he was at a store, and supposedly Emmett Till uh, whistled at a white woman, and then a couple white men came to his house. They dragged him out of his bed, and he was like brutally beaten. He was he was beaten to death, and, and like mm. and and then it was, and it started like the civil rights movement. And then at, at her deathbed, the white woman admitted that she lied about the whole thing. So. <laughs> So, so I guess many I, so, I, so, so I guess that's what it is. But whistling at a white woman. No, no, but no, anyways. No, no, but this was eighteen. Yeah, but it was. It's not illegal. But this was like the eighteen hundred, like seven, eighteen, nineteen, eighteen, mm. late eighteen hundreds, where where the 
where, you know, black men couldn't really look at white women like that. That whole racial thing. I just find that Elgin, talking about Elgin, we had, we had race riots in the 70s. Mm. And, like, and, like, and, like, I, and like last night, I posted it on, on, on the group for Elgin to create get more research. And people, people have different stories. Some people say it never happened. Some say it was this, it was that. Uh, there was a news article about three, three, uh, three old black people who were there. And I remember the article saying, oh, people were scared of the black. Oh, because like, there, there was a riot. Because apparently uh, 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 people were burning down, burned down Elgin because it was a tense area. That was because like, black people weren't welcome. And, that was, and, and so, so white people tried to keep them away. And then eventually tensions rise and there was a riot. And in the article, uh, police shut down the city because they were scared. And this and the, and this. They keep perpetuating this myth that the Black Panthers are like this terrorist group, and I hate that people still think that because Black Panthers were not a terrorist group. They were just about teaching people about just teaching Black men and women their rights and Black, but just just enlightening people. Yo, these are your rights and blah blah blah. So that's how if a Black per, if, if a police officer stops you, you know your rights, and they can't just uh, 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 take advantage of you. Because like the Black Panthers are the reason we have. Breakfast programs for children because they were the first ones to do that out in Oakland. Hmm. But in the article, they were saying, "Yeah, you know, the police got shut down, and they, they don't even try to correct it. Like, yeah, you know, so so people who might not know a lot about the Black Panthers will read that, all like, oh yeah. The, so when they think about Black Panthers, they're like, oh yeah, they're, I don't know. Hmm. Also, don't like finishing my ideas. I think it's also my problem. I just like going <laughs> halfway through, and then you when don't people. Like <laughs> No, no, I think that my I think my problem is I don't finish my ideas because like I really could have mm. just like wrapped it up nicely and it's just like yeah, Black oh, Panther. Before we forget, uh, do you have any like social media you want to promote or shows? Oh, yeah, oh well, I don't know when the shows are gonna <laughs> out of for shows because like dates are like and I don't know when this is gonna get out and like and like I might book more shows by then by by like right now. Mm. So JF, just follow me on Instagram at uh, a humble Luis, Twitter at a humble Luis. I'm gonna start posting my shows there again. Uh, well, I, I, on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, I just tweet random things. Uh, uh, I think I peaked on Twitter. Uh, like what? Uh, uh, like <laughs> this was a random tweet. Uh, this is something that came to me, and I and 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 and, and this is this is something where I work on stage. I work it on stage because I don't know where to go with this. I was like, I was like, what if Cesar Chavez got some Kardashian pussy? <laughs> and that's just a random thing. I don't know because because people think that our Kardashians have a curse. They curse people because I. Really? Have you never heard of this? <laughs> I, have not, I have not heard of this. So like, 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 so like L- 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 Lamar Odom was doing very well before, uh, before he got with Chloe. And then after Chloe is like, he became a crack addict and all that stuff. People think Kanye West started acting out more wild when his like his oh Humphries. So people think there's like a Kardashian curse. So I'm like, sold. so like. <laughs> <laughs> So like, so like, I don't know. So it's like, I was just like, I was like, Cesar Chavez. Like, so like, Cesar Chavez is like this great man. I'm like, what if he, what if he, and I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I, like I said, there's no ideas attached to it. It was just a random thing. That's also one of those things that I would say it on stage. It's just for shock value. So that's why. <laughs> so that's why I just added it to my Twitter. Cause like Twitter, it's all about just random ideas, putting it out Did there. Did it go very well over mm. Twitter? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One person, uh, one person was like, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a, a humble Luis. Uh, in August, I'm doing a, I'm going on a small tour with me, 
uh, and one of my closest friends and someone else. <laughs> and also, <laughs> and a good friend of mine, uh, uh, yeah, St. James, close friends, Vic Pondia, also someone else, not kidding. He's also a friend. We're going on a, a, our tour called the Brown Icon, Brown Icons Living Tour. We're just doing random cities nice. out in the Midwest. Yeah, so yeah, follow me at A Humble Louise. Are you yeah. doing a Chicago show for that at all? No. Nah. We sh- nah, cause nah. Because they both have their own show. We should. We should, but I tried to do one in Elgin, but uh, uh, everyone was busy. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. so it's a lot of work. Ugh. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you both for having me, and 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 and, and I'm sorry if I <laughs> wasn't articulating over certain ideas didn't come off. Uh, we could talk. We could talk about this, or you know, I don't know, guys. It's good intentions. <laughs> it's good intentions. I'm sorry. Yes, tough That's questions. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we Yo, do. These are, these are actually We're pretty good questions. Some of these things, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I've never thought about it like that. We like to challenge our guests. I feel, I feel challenged. I feel. I feel like I'm going to come out of this as a grown person. Also, yeah, like people people are still commenting on the thread I did about the race riots. Oh. Like, oh, yeah, because someone, someone said, oh, Hot fake topic. news. Someone said, fake news. It oh, didn't God. happen. <laughs> and then some people were saying, well, it was more than three race riots. And someone was like, no, it was one. And then I think the weirdest post was one. Somebody said uh, 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 there was a race riot in the morning which was weird because which was weird because the night before uh there was like black and white people that were hanging like we're hanging out and they were having a good time and i was like that's not how <laughs> that's not how it works sir <laughs> that's not a riot <laughs> no they're like a backyard party that's a <laughs> people are like yeah people are like saying people are like i don't understand this racial tension if the day before black and white people were hanging out i'm like that's not how it yeah. works <laughs> <laughs> A group of people, because like that's not how institutionalized racism works. We could all be friends. <laughs> like right now, we're all cool with each other. We're all friends, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean racism doesn't exist. <laughs> Look, guys, we're all hanging out. Look at this diverse room: a white man, a white woman, a, a Asian woman, right? Yeah. <laughs> a Mexican man. Look, racism doesn't exist. We all get along. We did it. It's over. That's not, that, that was such a weird comment that dude left there. Like, yeah. it was such a weird, there was a race fight the day before. I saw white and black people getting along. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I saw it. It's fine. This has been a Neighbor Inc. podcast. Go to NeighborInc.com for more details. Follow Riff Raff Revolution on social media at r underscore r underscore revolution because they couldn't get a more convenient handle. This episode was edited by Jacob Duffy Hallblive and Dominic Guanzin. This episode was produced by Perry Hunt and Laura Leland. Tune in next week for an interview with Sonal Agarwal. Bye! Bye!